0: the Ezrahite. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth, I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, Mercy shall be built up forever. Your faithfulness you shall establish in the very heavens. I have made a covenant with my chosen. I have sworn to my servant David. Your seed I will establish forever and build up your throne to all generations. Selah. And the heavens will praise your wonders O Lord your faithfulness also in the Assembly of the Saints for who in the heavens can be compared to the Lord who among the sons of the mighty can be likened to the Lord God is greatly to be feared in the Assembly of the Saints and to be held in reverence by all those around him O Lord God of hosts who is mighty like you O Lord Your faithfulness also surrounds you. You rule the raging of the sea. When its waves rise, you still them. You have broken Rahav in pieces as one who is slain. You have scattered your enemies with your mighty arm. The heavens are yours. The earth also is yours. The world in all its fullness, you have founded them. The north and the south, you have created them. Tabor and Hermon rejoice in your name. You have a mighty arm strong as your hand and high as your right hand. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Mercy and truth go before your face. Blessed are the people who know the joyful sound. They walk O Lord in the light of your countenance in your name. They rejoice all day long and in your righteousness, they are exalted for you are the glory of their strength and in your favor, our horn is exalted for our shield belongs to the Lord and our King to the Holy One of Israel then you spoke in a vision to your Holy One and said I have given help to one who is mighty I have exalted one chosen from the people I have found my servant David with my holy oil I have anointed him with whom my hand shall be established also my right arm shall strengthen him the enemy shall not outwit him nor the son of wickedness afflict him I will beat down his foes before his face and plague those who hate him but my faithfulness and my mercy shall be with him and in my name his horn shall be exalted also I will set his hand over the sea and his right hand over the rivers he shall cry to me you are my father my God and the rock of my salvation also I will make him my firstborn the highest of the kings of the earth my mercy I will keep for him for ever And my covenant shall stand firm with him his seed also i will make to endure forever and his throne as the days of heaven if his sons forsake my law and do not walk in my judgments if they break my statutes and do not keep my commandments then i will punish their transgression with the rod and their iniquity with stripes nevertheless my loving kindness i will not utterly take from him nor allow my faithfulness to fail my covenant i will not break nor alter the word that has gone out of my lips. Once I have sworn by my holiness, I will not lie to David. His seed shall endure forever, and his throne as the sun before me. It shall be established forever like the moon, even like the faithful witness in the sky, Selah. But you have cast off and abhorred. You have been furious with your anointed. You have renounced the covenant of your servant. You have profaned his crown by casting it to the ground. You have broken down all his hedges you have brought his strongholds to ruin all who pass by the way plunder him he is a reproach to his neighbors you have exalted the right hand of his adversaries you have made all his enemies rejoice you have also turned back the edge of his sword and have not sustained him in the battle you have made his glory cease and cast his throne down to the ground the days of his youth you have shortened You have covered him with shame selah how long lord will you hide yourself forever will your wrath burn like fire remember how short my time is for what futility have you created all the children of men what man can live and not see death can he deliver his life from the power of the grave selah lord where are your former loving kindnesses which you swore to david in your truth Remember, Lord, the reproach of your servants, how I bear in my bosom the reproach of all the many peoples with which your enemies have reproached, O Lord, with which they have reproached the footsteps of your anointed. Blessed be the Lord forevermore. Amen and amen. We are in Joshua 21. It's verses 27 through 33. And this is entitled the cities of Gershon also to the children of Gershon of the families of the Levites from the other half tribe of Manasseh they gave Golan in Bashan with its common land a city of refuge for the slayer and be with its common land two cities and from the tribe of Issachar Kishion with its common land Dabaret with its common land Jarmut with its common land and Enganim with its common land four cities and from the tribe of Asher, Mishal with its common land, Abdon with its common land, Helcut with its common land, and Rehov with its common land, four cities. And from the tribe of Naphtali, Kadesh in Galilee with its common land, a city of refuge for the slayer, Hamot Dor with its common land, and Kartan with its common land, three cities. All the cities of the Gershonites, according to their families, were 13 cities with their common lands. Anytime someone disagrees with a Jewish person on social media, it is not uncommon to immediately hear back, you're just an anti-Semite. This is generally the default position. But this also goes both ways. On the day before typing this sermon, a friend sent me an article published in the Israel National News entitled, The Three Pronged War Taking Place in Israel. Although a bit too long to read the whole article, a few pertinent points should be highlighted. It is concerning the Erev Rav, the mixed multitude that came out with Israel as recorded in Exodus 12 38. Now, this is common thinking in Israel when you hear this. Moshe, meaning Moses, endured a class action lawsuit after leaving Egypt, which prompted Yitro, meaning Jethro, to advise him to set up a multi tiered court system. Who brought this suit? The heir of Rav had a claim, says the Midrash. They wanted the money back that was taken from them in Egypt. But weren't they wholehearted converts that would be overjoyed to give it to those Jews who endured the slavery? No. And then it continues God told Moshe not to take the heir of Rav out of Egypt, but Moshe chose to take them. They, of course, were responsible for the golden calf and complaining in the desert. Much suffering befell the Jewish people because of the heir of Rav they are reincarnations of previous generations originally stemming from a few children of Adam that were begot not with Eve. This is just a small portion of the dribble that was penned in the article. It would be laughable if it wasn't so sad to read. Let me read you what it said from Exodus 32 that is speaking of exactly that incident. It says, now when the people saw that moses delayed coming down from the mountain the people gathered together to aaron and said to him come make us gods that shall go before us as for this moses the man who brought us up out of the land of egypt we don't know what has become of him and aaron said to them break off the golden earrings which are in your ears in the ears of your wives your sons and your daughters and bring them to me on and on it goes it's ascribed to the people not to the mixed multitude This entire article was filled with that type of nonsense. Our text verse comes from one Timothy one. It is verses three and four as I urged you when I went to Macedonia remain in Ephesus that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine nor give heed to fables and endless genealogies, which cause disputes rather than godly edification, which is in faith in these verses from Paul. He refers to endless genealogies. The Bible, especially Genesis and Chronicles, is full of genealogies. They are scattered throughout other books as well. Such genealogies are inevitably twisted and spiritually manipulated to show a Jewish line that was superior to all others. Being a rabbi himself, Paul knew that this was the intent of constantly referring to these genealogies. By allowing the Judaizers to teach these things, it would effectually end any idea of a church of both Jews and Gentiles, who were unified as one. Instead, two distinct classes, one supposedly superior over the other, would develop and flourish. All things Jewish would be considered as the ideal. All things Gentile would be considered as base and contemptible. The purpose of Scripture was never... To highlight and exalt Israel but that they would be a people used to highlight and exalt the Lord everything about them was intended to lead us to an understanding of who God is and what he would do in the world not only for Israel but for all people that is once again an underlying theme that will be seen in our passage today God is not working to highlight the Jews It is not his intent to exalt the law of Moses, Roman Catholicism, Mormonism, or Baptists, even if that is what is often the perception of some people. God's intent in giving us scripture is to reveal Jesus Christ. All else is secondary to that. Until people grasp this, their faith will always be about self. When Christ is placed in the preeminent position, self just doesn't matter. God has a plan for us, and that is great, but he doesn't need to include us. His plan graciously does include us when we acknowledge his son. This is what we are to be focusing on. Let us not get distracted from the main point. Jesus, this truth is to be found in his superior word. And so let us turn to that precious word once again, and may God speak to us through his word today, and may his glorious name ever be praised. I've got only two thoughts for you today. The first is 13 cities. It's verses 27 through 33. Verse 27. Also to the children of Gershon, of the families of the Levites, Velevne Gershon Mi Mishpot And to sons Gershon from families, the Levites, Gershon was the first son born to Levi. Because the priestly class arose out of Kohath, the second son, they were listed first only now are the cities of gershon to be named gershon comes from garash to drive out or cast out thus his name means expelled one or exiled one you gotta wonder why a parent would name a child like that why would they do that but god is using this in typology the cities to be allocated to him are next named verse 27 continues from the other half tribe of manasseh they gave golan and bashan with its common land a city of refuge for the slayer the order in the Hebrew is reversed, placing the stress on the fact that this is a city of refuge. From half tribe Manasseh, city refuge, the slayer, Golan in the Bashan and her common lands. Manasseh means he shall forget and from a debt. Golan comes from Gola, meaning exile. The Net Bible also defines it as their captivity, their rejoicing. The Bashan means something like the place of fertile soil. With that, it next says, verse 27 continues, and Beeshtara with its common land. The name comes from two words, Bet, meaning house, and Ashtoret. Thus, it means house of Ashtoret. Ashtoret, or the plural Ashtoret, refers to a female fertility goddess that was worshipped throughout the Middle East. However, the word Ashtoret is also used four times in Deuteronomy, in reference to flocking animals. The word is a complicated study, but the root words all point to a type of unity or cohesiveness. As such, Abarim defines it as unity of instructions or one law. Therefore, this would be the house of one law or the house of unity of instructions. Verse 27 continues, two cities. These two cities were east of the Jordan. The number two is the number of division or difference. However, when there are two things, they will contrast, but they will also confirm a whole, such as the two main divisions of the Genesis creation, the heavens and the earth. They contrast, and yet they confirm the totality of creation. The cities for Gershon, next named, are those located west of the Jordan, in the land of Canaan, verse 28, and from the tribe of Issachar. Issachar directly borders the Jordan. It is north of the half-tribe of Manasseh that resides in Canaan, and it is bordered by Naphtali on the north and Zebulun to its west. Issachar means he is wages. Their cities in Canaan are next named. Verse 28 continues, Kishion with its common land. Kishion comes from a primitive root signifying to be dense, like my brain. Thus it means hard, tough, stubborn, severe, etc., therefore it signifies hardness hard place or very hard verse 28 continues dabaret with its common land the name dabaret is from davar word or to speak the t at the end may indicate a simple perfect second person singular you spoke or you have spoken it is the same location named in joshua nineteen twelve, where it was prefixed by an article the dabarat that is not included now verse 29 jarmut with its common land jarmut means elevation this is believed to be the same as ramet from Joshua 19:21 and what is later called ramot in 1 Chronicles 6:73 each of the names is close in meaning verse 29 continues and enganim with its common land and Ganim comes from Ayin, meaning either a fountain or an eye, and the plural of garden. Hence it means "fountain of gardens. Gagan, or garden comes from a root signifying being covered, surrounded, and defended. Verse 29 continues four cities. As for the number four Bollinger says it is emphatically the number of creation of man in his relation to the world as created while six is the number of man in his opposition to and independence of God it is the number of things that have a beginning of things that are made of material things and matter itself it is the number of material completeness hence it is the world number and especially the city number Verse 30, and from the tribe of Asher, Asher is the northwesternmost land allotment, bordering on the Mediterranean Sea on the west, Lebanon on its north, Naphtali on the east, and Zebulun, and the half-tribe of Manasseh towards the southeast and south. Despite the seeming division at this time, these cities are somewhat closely grouped in overall geography and according to nearness by tribal allotment. This closer grouping will be more readily realized in verse 31, which will name the cities in Naphtali. Asher means happy or blessed. Verse 30 continues, Mishal with its common land. Mishal is from Sha'al, to ask or inquire. Strong's defines it as request. Verse 30 continues, Abdon with its common land. The name Abdon comes from Avad, to work or serve. The root is then extended with the Hebrew letters Vav and Nun to bring about a personification or localization of that root. Thus, it most likely means place of work or working one. It's either personified or localized. Some simply translate it as servile or hard slavery. This is believed to be the same city as Evron, named in Joshua 19, verse 28. Verse 31, Helkat with its common land. Chelkat comes from the verb chalak, to divide or share, or from the noun chelkah, a parcel or a portion. Hence, it is variously translated as division, portion, field, or possession. Strongs, however, takes a figurative meaning of the word chelkah and calls it smoothness because a portion of arable ground is flat. Hence, this figurative meaning is applied to the back of Jacob's neck, as is described in Genesis 27, where it says Then Rebekah took the choice clothes of her elder son Esau, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. And she put the skins of the kids of the goats on his hands and on the smooth part, the chilcha, of his neck. And then she gave the savory food and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son Jacob. Using this figurative sense, the word is also used to describe the smooth tongue. Thus, a figurative meaning could be flattery. Verse 31 continues, and Rehov with its common land. Rehov means wide space or open place. Verse 31 continues, four cities. The meaning of the number four was just given in verse 29. In summary, it is the world number, especially the city number. Verse 32, and from the tribe of Naphtali, The tribe of Naphtali is between the Jordan River and Asher. Lebanon is to its north, and it is bordered on the south by Issachar and Zebulun. Hence, there is a rather close grouping of the Levitical cities according to how the tribes are laid out. The name Naphtali means my twistings or my wrestlings, but it has a secondary meaning of crafty. Its Levitical cities are, verse 32 continues, Kadesh in Galilee with its common land, a city of refuge for the slayer. As in verse 27, the emphasis is on the fact that it is a city of refuge. That is stated first, and only then is the name of the city given. City, refuge, the slayer, Kadesh, and the Galilee with her common lands. Kadesh means holy, sacred place, or sanctuary. HaGalil, or the Galilee, signifies a circular district. It is identical to Galil, to pivot, or to turn. That in turn comes from Galal, to roll away. Thus, like Gilgal, it is the liberty. Verse 32 continues, Hamot Dor with its common land. The name Hamot Dor is not mentioned elsewhere. The first half of it comes from Hama, a noun signifying heat or sun. The second half is an unusual spelling of the word Dor. That comes from a word signifying to heap, cluster up, or pile up. Thus, it is a concentration of activities or things. Abarim defines it as cluster of hotness or place near the heat. Verse 32 continues, and kartan with its common land. Kartan is also only found here. The root signifies a town, and that in turn comes from a root meaning to be near, to meet, to encounter, to befall, and so on. The final N may be a remnant of the Vav Nun couple that localizes the root, saying place of. Thus, it means town or place of closeness. Verse 32 continues, three cities. Bollinger says three stands for that which is solid, real, substantial, complete, and entire. Verse 33, all the cities of the Gershonites, according to their families, were 13 cities with their common lands. The name is singular and, curiously, the second use of the word city is also in the singular. All cities the Gershonite to their families, 310 city and their common lands. As for the number 13, Bollinger says that every occurrence of the number 13 and likewise every multiple of it Stamps that with which it stands in connection with rebellion, apostasy, defection, corruption, disintegration, revolution, or some kindred idea. This is the state of the world without Christ. These cities are being used to reveal this. However, as we have seen elsewhere, Bollinger goes further concerning the number. He says, the connection of the number 13 with substitution and atonement. The Savior, though without sin, was made sin or a sin offering for his people. He was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for their iniquities. He was, in fact, numbered with the transgressors. Therefore, this number is not only the all-pervading factor of sin, but also of sin's atonement. It is not only the number which brands the sinner as a rebel against God, but it is the number born by the sinner's substitute. His very names in the Old Testament, before the work of atonement was entered on or accomplished, are all multiples of 13, just as his names afterwards in the New Testament and when the work of atonement was carried out are all multiples of eight. These are the cities of Gershon, and they are filled with wonderful hints of Jesus. There is a story being told in the names and places set before us. It was we who to sin were sold, but while still sinners, God sent Jesus. He did the work to restore us and make us whole. Through his efforts, we can now have life. By faith alone, we are added to heaven's scroll, and through him is ended the strife. The names tell the story of our Lord and how what he has done is now realized in us. Wonderful treasure to be explored that tells us of the many glories of Jesus. Our second thought today is explaining the typology. Of the allotments to Gershon, many of the names have been seen and explained in previous passages. A careful study using the same meanings and typology as previously seen will reveal what is being pictured. As with the Levites of Kohath, these allotments of Gershon will detail aspects regarding Christ as the firstborn in his work under the law. However, the content of the passage is mostly centered on the naming of the cities. And so this will not only reflect the work of Christ, but how it then applies to his people. In the naming of these tribal lands, Christ's work is typologically anticipated. In the naming of the cities, the effect of his work as it is realized in his people is anticipated. As with Kolhath, these verses anticipate the gathering together of Jews and Gentiles into one body. The passage began by mentioning the sons of Gershon, or exiled one. As noted, that comes from Garash, to drive out or cast out. That was first used in Genesis chapter 3. So he drove out Garash, the man, and he placed cherubim at the east of the garden and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. The name means expelled one or exiled one. It looks to man having been expelled from God's presence. The tribal allotment will reveal what Christ has done to rectify that, and the cities will reflect the state of those who are restored through him. The first tribal allotment where Gershon is to dwell is in the half-tribe of Manasseh. Manasseh means he shall forget, or from a debt. Christ shall forget the past deeds of the person who has come to him, having paid their sin debt. The first city, Golan, is a city of refuge. The name comes from Gola and means exile. The NET Bible also defines it as their captivity, their rejoicing. I'm not sure how they came up with that, but it sure fits. The person who flees into exile is the freest person of all if he is captive in Christ. As Paul says, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. In Christ as our refuge is the true place of rejoicing as far as Golan, that was then described as being in the Bashan. It means something like the place of fertile soil. As with the other times it was seen, the location speaks of the fertile soil of the word of God. As Paul says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The next location was Be'eshtara, house of unity of instructions. A house is a place of dwelling. The unity of instructions for believers in christ means that the instructions apply to all equally unlike the time of the law which applied only to israel the body of instruction for believers applies to the jews who came out of the law and the gentiles who were never under the law this tribal inheritance was then said to be two cities there being two confirms the scope of Christ's work. It contrasts for Jews and for Gentiles, and yet it confirms the whole body of believers. The next tribal allotment was for the tribe of Issachar, or he is wages. It speaks of Christ in his work becoming the wages for our sin. Of this tribal allotment, the four cities fit together to form a picture of the process of coming to Christ. The first is kishyon, signifying hardness, hard place, or very hard, coming from kasha, hard in both a literal and a figurative sense. In this case, it would signify the grievous state of those before they came to Christ. This sense of the word is found, for example, in 1 Kings, where it says, Thy father made our yoke grievous, kasha. Now, therefore, make thou the grievous service of thy father and his heavy yoke which he put upon us lighter and we will serve thee the yoke of sin is a grievous burden which is only magnified by the law however in christ there is relief that begins with the naming of the next city dabarat you spoke or you have spoken whether this is referring to the word of god or our response to it the outcome is the same If the word of God, which he has spoken, Ephesians 1, 13, in him, you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation in whom also having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And that of course is based on the source of the word, which is God as just stated a moment ago. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But if it is our response to it, Paul says, but what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That leads to the next city, Jarmuth, Elevation. That would correspond with many comparable thoughts in the New Testament, but simply enough, Ephesians 2 but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up. There it is. And made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, Jarmuth. In that state, the four cities name applies. And fountain of gardens. A fountain is that which wells up on its own freely offering of itself the garden is a place of innocence security conscience happiness salvation and purity the fountain of gardens speaks of the state of the believer perpetually receiving the waters of life because he has been deemed innocent secure aware happy saved and purified of the allotments within Issachar it noted that they comprised four cities Again, as I cited earlier concerning the number, it is emphatically the number of creation of man in his relation to the world as created. While six is the number of man in his opposition to and independence of God, it is the number of things that have a beginning of things that are made of material things in matter itself. It is the number of material completeness. Hence, it is the world number and especially the city number it expands on the meaning of the two cities of the previous tribe being of jews and gentiles not only are any who come to him included but the effect of christ's work covers the entire creation romans 8 for i consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. Does everybody feel that way? Amen. I feel at every moment of every day. I can't wait. The third tribal allotment, Asher means happy or blessed coming from Ashar. It looks to the work of Christ a good example of this is reflected in the 72nd psalm which refers to the work of christ it says there for he will deliver the needy when he cries the poor also and help him who has no helper he will spare the poor and needy and will save the souls of the needy he will redeem their life from oppression and violence and precious shall be their blood in his sight and then going down a couple verses his name shall endure forever his name shall continue as long as the Sun and men shall be blessed in him all nations shall call him blessed the word ashar the cities located in Asher are then named they follow the same pattern as the previous four in Issachar they begin with Mishal which is from Sha'al to ask or inquire and which Strong's defines as request The request or petition is made based on the work of christ but that is its own sort of work not for merit but for understanding reflected in the next city abdon it comes from abad to work or serve as noted the root is then extended with the hebrew letters vav and nun to bring about a personification or a localization of the name place of work or working one from John 6 Jesus answered and said to them this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he sent so first you have the the uh, the first city is Michal, the request and then you have the work the speaking out the request our place of work is Jesus the working one it doesn't really matter which thought is behind the name the result is the same Albert Barnes expresses the meaning of this verse from John quite well he says This is the thing that will be acceptable to God or which you are to do in order to be saved. Jesus did not tell them that they had nothing to do or that they were to sit down and wait, but that there was a work to perform. And that was a duty that was imperative. It was to believe on the Messiah. This is the work which sinners are to do. And doing this, they will be saved for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. People get so caught up in semantics concerning works that they miss the point of faith, which is its own type of work. When Paul says we are saved not by works, he is referring to the law of Moses or good deeds that call out for merit. Belief is its own type of work, but it is not one that calls for merit before God. In trusting in the work of Christ, the next city's meaning is realized. Chelkat coming from the verb halak to divide or share or from the noun halqa, a parcel or portion it means division portion or possession in believing in Jesus whom God sent he has according to Paul and Colossians qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the Saints in the light that is then explained and expanded on by the next city Rehov, which means wide space or open place for believers there is a narrow path to the wide spaces of heaven this tribal grant was like the previous one said to be comprised of four cities the same meaning is described here as to that of issachar being stated one after the other is a hebraic way of forming an emphasis it would explain why the same pattern was followed in the effects seen when naming the cities and it also emphasizes the totality of the effects of the work of christ concerning creation it is interesting that the naming of the tribes follows the same pattern as Joshua 19, Issachar, Asher, and Naphtali. One would think that the naming now would go from east to west, but Asher is stated before Naphtali, thus putting the two tribes with four cities, each next to each other, to form this emphasis. The last tribe for Gershom's allotments, Naphtali, or my wrestling's, looks to the work of Christ as well he being the one who struggled through his works to bring our reconciliation with God. Naphtali cities are named, the first being a city of refuge, Kadesh, holy or sacred place, which is in Ha-Galil or the Galilee. Kadesh speaks of those made holy, Kadesh in liberty, Galil from Galal, the same thought expressed in the name Gilgal, meaning freedom from the law. This speaks of the state of believers in Christ, their refuge the next city is Chamot Dor. as was explained the first half comes from Hama a noun signifying heat or Sun the second half is an unusual spelling of the word door that comes from word signifying to heap cluster or pile up thus it is a concentration of activities or things the meaning is cluster of hotnesses or place near the heat and here i go i confess to not seeing an obvious parallel to anything with this the closest explanation possible could be our position in christ which constantly purifies us from the judgment of sin so place of hotness or cluster of hotnesses if so that would logically lead to the next city kartan comes from the root kara signifying to near to meet to befall and so on hence place of closeness it would signify those brought near through faith in Christ the final note of the tribal land said three cities that again stands for that which is solid real substantial complete and entire this would explain the state of those in Christ without him everything under the Sun is vanity but in him there is the realization of a final and complete purpose for man with that we already defined what the cumulative number of cities 13 defines it is that which is related to rebellion apostasy defection corruption disintegration revolution or some kindred idea in themselves this would be the state of these cities however because these are levitical cities it is also the number of substitution and atonement as such they anticipate the work of christ and its effects on his people As for the completely inexplicable way these verses ended with reference to 13 city it is hard to even speculate on the reason and yet it would be disappointing to not do so not one translation not one follows the Hebrew and not one commentary that I read mentions it one reason for the singular could be a scribal error that is my least favorite reason for any such thing it is too obvious to not catch it on the first read through. I mean, nobody would say 13 city. And so my speculation would be that this is a way for the Bible to acknowledge all of the cities as a singular whole to ensure that the atonement of Christ is still hinted at. This wasn't needed with the 13 priestly cities previously mentioned because the priests anticipate Christ who is the true high priest. Their work includes that of atonement. Therefore, the connection would be obvious, but because these Levites have 13 cities, one might conclude that there was only disorder, corruption, and so on. By identifying them all as a single, even while identifying them in the same verse in the plural, the Bible may be telling us that Christ is still in the details and atonement is being pictured through his substitutionary work that is total speculation on my part. And maybe someday somebody will come to a more complete explanation than that. But it makes complete sense to me, so I presented it. With this speculation on the final verse, it feels as if I have not been complete in presenting to you this passage. But there's enough of what is completely sure that I hope you will accept the guesswork with a good spirit and not stone me. And the consistency of all of the allotments so far has been trustworthy. Christ seen in the main tribal allotments, and then the effects of his work in the named cities. That is, every single allotment has been the same. That alone shows a wisdom that is deeper than a simple historical record of the cities designated for the Levites. God is telling us a story through all of these names and locations. It is the story of what he would do in the coming of his son. With that event behind us today, we can look back and feel a greater certainty in our walk with the Lord because of it. Maybe we will never need such a boost to our faith, but maybe we will. Life comes at us quickly and often with very difficult twists and trials. In such times, without a good grounding in the word, our faith can falter. How much more secure will we be when we not only know the surface story, but also the underlying story that he has tucked into this marvelous word? Joshua is a true and literal historical record of events people, and places of the past, but it is also an expression of God's intent for the world in the giving of his own son. What a treasure to see it unfold week after week after week. Soon enough, in just a few chapters, we're going to be done with it, but we can carry with us the knowledge of these things as we continue on through this wonderful word. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, concentrate on him and his goodness, and keep this in your heart at all times this is the lesson we find when we see him in all of the details of scripture god is essentially saying be attentive to my son he is your life the very purpose of your existence is to glorify me by being attentive to him this is what god would ask of us pay attention to jesus you know i find out again and again some church is out there teaching something or you know giving Like that thing in Germany I read you earlier. This AI is giving a life application sermon. Where is their grounding in that? Where is their hope in that? And any pastor can do this. They just have the thing, put it up, and if he wants it to have a dispensational slant to it, he says, do it from a dispensational. But where is the hope in that? Without understanding the underlying details of what God has done for us, where is the hope? But once you see that he's got all these things woven into the fabric of the word, it's not just literal, historical, and it's not just moral. It's also pictorial and typological. We can say, I understand God wants us to focus on what is important. Don't get caught up in people that talk about the of Rav. I mean, they're mentioned one time in scripture. The other times people translate that word and they say the mixed multitude, it's not even the same word. Okay? But people get caught up in self, in national identity, in my denomination. Don't do that. Focus on Jesus Christ and his word. Yes. He is the one that died for your sins. He is the one that was buried with your sins, and he is the one that rose again without your sins. He prevailed. That is the message that God wants us to hold fast to, always, is Jesus Christ. And the only way you're ever going to be able to do that is by focusing on this word. That's it. This is all we got. There is like one line in a text that mentions a Jesus other than this book. I mean, there are a million people mentioned in a million texts all over the universe, and nobody cares about that one name. But when you've got an entire book that came from the mind and wisdom of God, you know that God wants you to focus on his son. He is the conduit back to God. What a great story of redemption. Believe the gospel that he died for your sins and be saved today, please. Our closing verse comes from John 5, Verses 22 and 23. For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son. That all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. You cannot say, I love God, I honor God, I live for God, if you do not honor and live for Jesus Christ. You cannot. That is a mistaken thinking. Next week is Joshua 21. It's verses 34 through 45. Pretty swell stuff we will see. It's entitled, The Cities of Marari. That'll be our 49th Joshua sermon. The Lord has you exactly where he wants you. He has a good plan and a purpose for you. It is he who has defeated the enemy and who now offers his people rest. So follow him and trust him. And he will do marvelous things for you and through you, okay? Now, I've got a question for you. And because of last week's debacle, where everybody got it, I have to ask you, which I I should just do this every week. If you get this, raise your hand. Don't yell it out until you have got the hand up. Okay. What are the names of the two staffs in Zechariah 11 two staffs I got it immediately when I saw this I did I, this is this is one that I would never forget it's just so wonderful mercy and truth no but that's really close he said mercy and truth anybody remember me but keeps making stuff up because it's bound to come out I'll read it to you there's actually two possibilities based on the translation. The one that I got immediately was beauty and bonds, okay? Uh, the other one is um, Zechariah 11:7. 7. Let's see what... I think this one has uh, beauty and bonds as well, so I might need somebody to get, like, the NIV to read the other one. Um, uh, favor and mercy. That's the other one. Favor and mercy, beauty and bonds. And you said faith, right? I said mercy and mercy. Truth mercy and truth favor and mercy okay so um yeah you're not going to find a mercy and truth there but that was close and this means that my wife gets this big mango back because it won't be any good by next week but there'll be another one okay i'm sure of that so this best day of your life okay you come and get that okay that i took it from her and i could see her going She really loves her mangoes. She didn't, but she, she, uh, she, uh, I had actually two that were very big. And I said, you pick one and give one to the church. And so she did. I thought they'd just disappear. You know what I did yesterday? I'm up there on the top of the mango tree. And this is a real tall tree. And it's big. Okay. It was planted back in 1948. And I'm up there picking mangoes. And I took one. I'm just throwing them down as I'm picking them. And one of them landed. There's this bush and it had a stick. And it landed right on that thing. I couldn't even pull it off. It was so jarred and it was like, eh, eh. So you can't, that'll never get ripe. It'll go bad. So what I did is uh, I told her, bring it in and she makes like chutney or, or um, uh, what's the other one? Pickled mangoes. Oh boy, wow. Oh, And she puts spices in there and it's real hot. If you like pickled stuff, take a mango and cut it when it's green. Don't wait for it to get, you know, ripe. And then pickle it or do whatever, you know, make chutney or whatever. There, I had who was it you that made the mango bread? It was, I've never had anything so good in my life. She made that a few years ago, mango you bread. Mentioned it, and I printed off a recipe, it, it was amazing. So, mango, you can do anything with it. If you like mango, you uh, yeah, you could throw it at me and don't do that. Okay. Um, all right, we're going to read it. Yes. I wanted to share something about yes. the town which you said. Brother and I are sitting here and all the Hebrew words you were reading. I mean, not only the interpretation that you read, um, like, oh, that makes sense, we knew this. Right. Because it also transferred to the modern Hebrew language. But we're in our sitting, you know, literally, by the time we got to Khalid we're sitting, we're together, said, wow, cool. And I have my hand is st- hair standing out because we knew this all along, the Hebrew names, the meanings and everything, but it never clicked until you put it, read it through, put it together, because you read through, it's like, oh, I know this, you did not even think. And that, absolutely and now it, I'm thinking, well, maybe that's the condition, the state of the Jewish people. Not only the hardness of the heart, but also, hey, I know this. I, I You know, I've heard his names my entire life. I don't have to think you it You don't have to think it through. I'm going to give you an example so you Blinders. can understand that. Yeah. It's a blinder, but listen to this. They will know this. I'm sure of this. The gospel is written into the Chinese alphabet. Have you seen that? No. Yeah. Okay. This is amazing. A Chinese person did not find this out. She was a missionary. Ellen Kang went to China, and she learn Chinese. And she's going through the strokes because you read them as a whole. You just do it do, 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 and you don't see it. Right? My wife. But when I showed her this and I said, can you tell me if this is correct? Because she reads kanji, which is the Chinese character in the Japanese language. And she was astonished. It's got the garden. It's got the, the flood of Noah. They're all right in the language. And the Chinese people never saw this. They never thought to look for it. So you're, looking, you're not looking because it's your language and you're not thinking of it. But when you come from the outside and you say, I want to evaluate this from what it means, you have a different perspective. You're not just reading it, you're looking at it. And now Chinese people do this. I've seen some sermons by some Chinese people that have found all kinds of stuff in the ancient alphabet of the Chinese people amazing and, and, and as you read there's so much more like I can't wait because you were reading the Golan the Glen fertility, and the Galil the, uh, the uh, rolling
1: it's just amazing there's just so much detail so, there's,
0: it, there's so much that I read this just now and more things were coming into my head <laughs> and I've been reading it for what 10 weeks now it, it's an amazing word have faith in this word yes. have trust in this word that's the point I think you're trying to tell us isn't it mm-hmm. trust this word even if you don't understand it all, it is written in this word and it's all about Jesus. And when you see a a city that's named this way and then it's named this way and you know it's the same city like where uh, Joshua is. He's in Timnasarah. But it's also going to later be called Timnaseres. The name is when you take two things and you turn them around. There's a term for it. There's a reason for that. Okay? Somebody didn't make a mistake. God is trying to tell you something new instead of Timnasarah, which is serach. What is that? Uh, uh, anyway, I've got it all written down in a coming up sermon. It's good stuff. Okay, we're going to read this and we're going to be done. The cities of Gershon. Also to the children of Gershon, of the family of the Levites, from the other half-tribe of Manasseh, so they did a crew, they gave Golan and Bashan with its common land, a city of refuge for the slayer, and Be'eshtorah with its common land, cities too. And from the tribe of Issachar, Kishion with its common land, Dabarat with its common land and more. Jarmuth with its common land and Enganim with its common land. Cities four. And from the tribe of Asher, Mishal with its common land, Avdon with its common land, quite the score. Helkot with its common land and Rehov with its common land again. Cities four. And from the tribe of Naphtali, Kadesh in Galilee with its common land. A city of refuge for the slayer it was to be hamot door with its common land and Kartan with its common land cities three all the cities of the gershonites according to their families as any scholar understands were 13 cities with their common lands lord god turn our hearts to be obedient to your word give us wisdom to be ever faithful to you may we carefully heed each thing we have heard yes lord god may our hearts be faithful and true and we shall be content and satisfied in you alone We will follow you as we sing our songs of praise hallelujah to you to us your path you have shown hallelujah we shall sing to you for all of our days hallelujah and amen heavenly father thank you so much for this precious word thank you because it gives us a confidence and a reassurance that we are on the right path when we are pursuing jesus everything that is in this word keeps on telling us about him and his glory and forgive us when we try to make it about ourselves or about our denomination or about our nation or anything like that help us to focus on Jesus and everything else will fall into its proper place and lord we pray for israel whose eyes are blinded and whose minds are numbed to this precious word help them to open their eyes get away from their their commentaries and writings that have no bearing in the reality of what you have given them and help them to focus on their word that you presented to them so long ago that their minds will be opened and that their souls will be saved. We pray for them. And we certainly pray for all of the people we mentioned at the beginning of this service and anybody else that's troubled or or having a difficult time right now. We lift them up to you. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayers. We know you do. And it's in Jesus' name we pray them. Amen. Amen. Okay, I've got right here, at any cost, just came in the mail from Voice of the Martyrs. I guarantee you this will be an amazing book. If anybody wants to take this home and read it, bring it back and pass it on to somebody else, you read these stories of these martyrs and your life will not be the same when you're done. So that's here if somebody wants to take that, I'll put it right over here. I know that you'll enjoy reading that. We think we got it bad here when people, you know, mock us on Facebook for our faith in Christ. I guarantee you. It's like the other stories I've read from the Voice of the Martyrs. They will always overwhelm you with what these people go through. We've got it so good here.